0: Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message.
1: Amen. That was awesome. Come on, say amen. Praise the Lord. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? I my brother Sal and his wife, God bless you. It's good to see you guys having an event soon, right? And uh, Aaron Evans is also. Ha- how many know Aaron Evans? Uh, how many know him? Wow. So, oh, you guys know my, my brother. So he's actually going to be coming in this month, April. And we already have, uh, they're, 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 they're using our building for a couple of days. And there's going to be some powerful night evening services that is open to the public. There's some private meetings uh, of roundtables. But I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. Right, guys? It's going to be... <sighs> I'm so excited about it, so I invite anybody, we're going to get more information in the next weeks to come. Um, Prophet Aaron Evans, he doesn't even like to, to, to be called that in a sense, but as I know him and I talk to him, he's ran with people like Bob Jones and all these great prophets. So God is bringing the prophets to our city. He's bringing the prophets to RCC because God wants to do something to the nations, I believe, through a popka. Come on, say Amen. Let's pray for the word of God. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to be with us today as we break open your word and hear your word. Let us have receptive hearts, Lord God, to hear your word. Anoint me. Anoint the ears of the listeners. And we ask you, Lord God, to make it liberty, life-changing to us and not just a tradition. Give it life-changing effect today through the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to talk about the fifth beatitude, but today is going to be so much healing, I believe. So uh, PK is getting something because I'm going to do an (laughs) illustration soon. Um, But I do want to release this, um, that uh, right before I I preach today, um, one of our church members had a uh, a word of knowledge that I feel that it it was appropriate to share. And they said uh, someone this morning had a terrible headache. Uh, looking for healing. The pain started behind the right eye, the right eye. And um, I don't think, well, I guess you could put that there. That's fine. Put it right there for now because when I walk, I don't want to trip on it. So if that's you, if you came in with, like, uh, great pain, like, behind the right eye, that's caused a a migraine specifically from the eye socket, uh, we want to pray for you. Is Is anybody here with that? That okay. Janice? My wife? Oh my goodness. Okay. So then maybe at the end we'll see we'll just pray for her on that. We release that word. Wow, that's so good. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7. Uh actually no, you know what? Let's let's start at verse 3. Let's start at verse 3, guys. Matthew chapter 5, I don't even have it in my, my thing. Let's start at verse 3, all right? Because we've been talking about the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Constitution uh, of Heaven. Um, before we do that, again, I uh, come here, Harvest. Come here. So we're going to do this. Just listen to me for a second. Um, he leaned over to me and said something to me during worship. And, you know, Harvest, if you know Harvest, he's, he he his, his, his words are very choice words. Um, he doesn't, like, talk a lot too often, especially during, I mean, you know what I mean. especially during worship but he did he turned to me and he said I have a word for you and I felt that this word that he gave me is not only for me it's about what RCC is about to enter in so I just I I, I didn't know it was coming but he 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 gave it to me so I I feel like you need to release that
0: so in second Kings chapter 22 it opens up with King Josiah uh, being king and he was eight years old And, of course, P.G.'s been in ministry for decades, but we are in the eighth year of this ministry. And um, he was uh, sending one of his uh, workers to go get something, and one of the priests uncovered the book of the law. Mm -hmm. And they brought it to him, and he read it, and he repented, and he tore his clothes. And he said he commanded that all the nation hear this word. And it was imperative because he was familiar with the move of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit but he was unfamiliar with the word of God. And one of the things that I know has been in his heart is Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two, twenty-nine 29, that we err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And I think it's imperative that we pay attention to what God is speaking through this apostolic ministry as he begins to teach in his series on the, fa- on the constitution of the gospel. Because we need to be really grounded in where God's going to begin taking this ministry in the next phase. A lot of us want to move with the Spirit, and we want to move with the Spirit. But you know what? It's not that we want to move with the Spirit. We want a habitation. Amen. A move comes and a move goes. But we need to pre- prepare a place for a yeah. habitation. Yeah. And that's only going to come when we are solid in the, in the foundation of the Scriptures and in the move of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wow, that's so good. Thank you.
1: One thing that really struck me, he said when, when uh, Josiah, was it Josiah? They found the book of the law. He ripped his clothes, uh, symbolic of repentance. We've been talking about that. I believe God is going to bring us into a place of habitation and delight. Come on. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 7. Today, I believe this beatitude is very familiar for me. Uh, it's very personal for me. I mean, all of them are. But I, I believe that this one is going to be such a soothing um, Reality for some of you that I believe actually can set us free. It actually has a, f- a freeing, delivering quality about it. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 3, remember, Jesus is pronouncing blessings upon each person who yields and become these realities. And it's conditional in, na- in nature, not unconditional. So w- watch this. It says, got, um, in, the, in, the, in the New King James, please. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 in the New King James. It says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, remember, this is Jesus speaking kind of for the, for the first time in front of a big uh, audience. He went on a mountain. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. We talked about what poor in spirit is. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We talked about mourning being a spiritual mourning and the comforting being a refreshing as a result of the mourning. Am I confusing anybody? Okay, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we d- we we talked about meekness is controlled strength, restrained strength. Right? If you see the beast in me, or you don't see the beast in me. Doesn't mean it's not there. That's the meekness, right? Blessed. Then the fourth one was blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I was last week, for they shall be filled. And we talked about the type of hunger that Jesus. Blesses, in this context, is a spiritual hunger not for more of God or even the good feelings of God. It's actually a hunger for righteousness. And we talked about that righteousness last week. Shields us, come on, everybody say shield, from demonic power striking our heart. Why? What is the breastplate called? Breastplate of righteousness in the the, uh, whole armor of God, which leads us progressively to this one. Now, this is very powerful. I need you to hear this. Look at what the Bible says next. The fifth beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Oh, someone say amen. amen. Come on, someone say amen. Say this with me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I want you to look up the first slide just right off the bat. This fifth beatitude that Jesus, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is showing mercy. But here's the key. But in order to show mercy we must understand mercy God's mercy and we must recognize listen to me the many times we have received it Do you do you realize how liberating this reality is that you and I could actually dictate the the I don't even have the language for it, but the increase or the level of the mercy we receive by being merciful to others, especially when maybe they don't deserve it. And th- I have seen in this quality and in my life and in other people, this quality of mercy. First, I want to uh, explain mercy in the little intro. It's actually liberating. I've actually seen people walk in inner healing when they've s- received the mercy of God. Why? Because when you receive the mercy of God and you don't get the consequences that you know you deserve, it makes the fourth beatitude of walking in righteousness more attractable. Come on, say amen. Because if God, listen, it, mercy had to come after righteousness. I had to. You know why? Because if, if God were only a holy God and a righteous God, He without mercy, He will be impossible to approach. If God were only holy and not merciful, we weak humanity could never approach a perfect holy God without the temperance of mercy, saying, Come. And so even people that are only righteous and not merciful, they come across rigid, judgmental, holier than thou. Come on, somebody. And we need to learn how to have mercy with people because God has been merciful to us. Thank the Lord for his mercy because some of us, we don't realize that we have been spared consequences time and time again. But the way we deal with people is not that way. And let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear that this is a reality that he calls blessed. And so there's a, it's like, I, I like mercy being like brothers and sisters. Like, mercy and grace are like brothers and sisters. I know grace has other brothers and sisters, and I know mercy, like, the goodness and mercy of God will follow me all the days of my life, right? But I believe the other kind of twin, whatever, not identical twin of of grace is mercy. They always go hand in hand. Grace and mercy goes hand in hand. What is grace? This may be foundational for some of you. Grace is giving us something that we don't deserve, is giving us an attribute of God. It's giving us salvation. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't deserve Jesus dying on the cross for us. We didn't deserve uh, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit, washing of some of our sins. Grace gave that to us. It's not by works, but by faith and grace, right? Grace is giving you something unmerited, unfavor, unearned. Mercy is the little opposite um, attribute of that, but it's the same goodness, Because mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is giving uh, you and I something we don't deserve. Mercy is not giving us something that we do deserve. I I, I could go home right now. I could go home right now and say amen. Mercy says you deserve consequences right now for what you did, and you know you do. But mercy says I'm going to withhold Judgment, I'm gonna withhold consequence for a season. Watch this for a purpose so that in that reprieve season, mercy, that you would have a chance to turn to God. It mercy, mercy softens the blow of judgment and so that we can have enough time to get right with God. That's mercy, but mercy will never compromise. Holiness and the truth and righteousness. It goes hand in hand. He, that's why Jesus said, come boldly to the throne. Because if he's only holy and righteous, he'll be rigid and we will never be approached him. If you are the same way, no one can approach you. you. You need to have, you need to show mercy. You need to have mercy. But most importantly, because you know you receive mercy. <laughs> Amen. That you've received mercy. Look at this. Look at this. Mercy is a beautiful attribute from the Lord that does not give us what we deserve. Um, can you think of something that you did or said and you knew you, you, it's almost like you got away with it? Or you said something and you're like, oh man, I deserve this. Or I did something physically. Everything in you says, I, I'm guilty. And when everything says I'm guilty, mercy says not guilty. I've forgiven you, and you're not guilty right now. But watch this. I'm going to tell you. But he, does, he doesn't compromise what was happening. He gives us enough time to get things right. It's a, it's a break. Mercy is a break. But it's telling you, hey, you deserve this, but mercy's not giving it to you. He, he, here's an example of mercy uh, when it comes to people like us, right? Like when you were younger, some of you are younger, maybe you're doing it now, and you kind of sn- snuck out your parents' house and you went out the window, right? And you partied all the time, party all night, whatever. And you were getting drunk and you did things that you shouldn't do and you're living kind of a double life, right? Right? Or when you go out with your friends, you're living a double life and you and you don't know it. That and you don't know that your your parents are waiting for you. <laughs> you know, and they you come in at night, and you're like right? You know, you hear the door right, right? And 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 the right there going. <laughs> and it's like And your dad and your mom or your parents or whoever it is, they don't punish you when you know that you deserve a whooping. And they say, go home. Mercy didn't give you the whooping. Right? Mercy didn't give you what you deserve. You're going 85 miles an hour on a 45-mile-an-hour zone, and you hear whoop, whoop. That's the sound of the police. And you get pulled over. (laughs) And they say, Do you know how fast you're going? Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know. 85. This is a 45 miles an hour zone. That's like a 200-something dollar ticket. So he gets your he gets your your driver's license. He gets it to you, and 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 you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to pay over 200-something dollars for this ticket. Oh, my license is gonna be suspended. And the cop goes, Here's your driver's license. Here's a warning. Don't do it again. Watch this now. Watch this. I'm going to tell you something very powerful. At that moment when you receive mercy, how do you feel of the person that gave you mercy? You feel gratitude. You, feel, you see that person differently. That person sees cops differently. And we will see God differently when we, re- when we know that we deserve a consequence. And we know that we deserve punishment or judgment or even a, a, a position that you have that that you should be out, and God says no, because I care for their heart and I'm gonna be merciful. Mercy sometimes is loving people when you know they don't love you. When 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 I'm just because I'm silent, and I'll hug everybody, I love everybody. Sometimes they don't know that I know. <laughs> and I do it anyways. Why? That's showing mercy. Silence sometimes is showing mercy to others before you you say something that you're going to really regret. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Understanding and receiving God's mercy is life-changing to our, watch this, relationship with the Lord. This is a slide. And in our relationship with people. I'm going to say that again. Put that slide up. Understanding and receiving God's mercy is life-changing to our relationship with God and our relationship with people. Can I just say this? If you don't understand the mercy of God, it's because you haven't looked around enough, hard enough to receive that many times you had that. Or, or you got caught doing something and, and your spouse doesn't know about it. Or your, or your friends doesn't know about it. But God does and you feel guilty. God's mercy is, hey, I'm giving you a little time so you could get right. Right? Now, now listen to this. This is so beautiful, and I have found that mercy—that mercy with people—has changed our lives, our lives. When there's mercy given on both sides, guess what, guys? You could dictate the level of mercy you have, because Jesus says, "Blessed are the merciful." So here's—that was my intro. The big news for today is this is the quality that you have to give to others. Out of all of of the Beatitudes, except for persecution, this is one of the only Beatitudes that God wants you to give to people. Think about who you have been hard on. Think about who has done something to you. And, And what you do at that moment shows if you are merciful. And I don't know about you, but I need mercy in my life. I, I want mercy in my life. So when there's an opportunity for me to show mercy, I'm going to show it because God is watching. <laughs> he really is, right? And so the other amazing scripture is that it says, you shall obtain mercy. Say, bless all the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Come on, say Mercy. The good thing about mercy, guys, is that it's everlasting and it is a fountain that doesn't run dry. It never ends. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. So what does that mean? I've seen the power of mercy in someone's life shatter self-hatred. Shatter self-hatred. They hate themselves because of what they did. Or they they did something in their flesh and then they later regret it. Like, oh, man, I shouldn't have acted that way. Right? You deserve that consequence or that split or whatever you want to call it. You know what happens? You know what happens? When you do that, his mercy never runs dry. So guess what? Yesterday, if you messed up, when you woke up this morning... It's a fountain that keeps on pouring and, pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring, and you mess up and pouring. let me tell you something: for enough time to get right with God, not to excuse our sinful lifestyle. I remember a story. this is so powerful, guys, and I used to say this in my class uh, when I was at, at, at OHOP, of this famous orator in the 1800s. He was a big agnostic, right? And his name was Robert Ingersoll. And some of you guys that have been uh, with me for a while, you know this story. But Robert Ingersoll was a – how many have heard of him? He was a a famous, famous lawyer, and he was an orator in the 1800s. And so they had this town speech where all these people gathered, right? And there was hundreds of people gathered. And and Robert Ingersoll took a microphone, uh, or whatever it is that they had back then, Right? And uh, the story says that he began to grab it, listen, in front of everybody. He goes, I am going to prove that God does not exist by challenging him. Like, this is actually a true story. By challenging him to strike me dead in five minutes. And, yeah, just like that, but it was like multiplied. Everyone was, ooh, ooh ah. Some people in the 1800s, you know, they didn't have internet. So it was very offensive. They got, the, they feared some of them fainted. And there was chatter all over. And there was a big, big, big clock. And it was a countdown, right? Minute, 30 seconds. And he was standing there defiant, saying, I'm going to prove that God does not exist because I'm challenging him to kill me right now. Literally, he said that, right? Strike me dead. Tense, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. He grabbed it. He goes, You see, I'm very much alive. God does not exist. And he said some closing arguments and then he put the thing down, and ended the meeting. And everybody was chattering, and everyone was like, like, you know, all the agnostics in the room were high-fiving because they proved something. And there was the story that this one agnostic, other young agnostic, was in the crowd and said, yeah, Robert Ingersoll proved it today. We've been telling you all along. He proved that God doesn't exist, and he said it to a Holy Ghost-filled woman. Thank God for those Holy Ghost-filled women, right? And this woman turned to her and said, yes, you're right. Robert Ingersoll did prove something so powerful today. He's like, what are you talking about? You're a Christian. He goes, yeah, with a big smile. She said, Robert Ingersoll proved that not even the most defiant sinner could exhaust the mercy of God in five minutes. Come on. The fact that God didn't strike him dead is proof that God is merciful. He's not giving you what you deserve." And and of course that rattled the agnostic because this one woman was like, you know what, God is good. He showed that He is merciful. See, it's all about perspective. It could be like, you know, Jesus' uh, identity is so important. That's why tomorrow when we do classes on identity with Todd is so important. Why? Because the first things that the devil attacks in your life is, are you the son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Before he even tempted Jesus, he said, if you're the son of God. What was he attacking? His identity. Why do I say that? Because part of knowing your identity is knowing that you're a child of God and that, listen, you are a recipient of God's mercy and grace. Can I just say something? You need to learn how to, how to receive mercy. Sometimes that was hard for me. Sometimes you beat yourself up because you're like, oh, no, I deserve it. No, I deserve it. No, I deserve it. You need to know how to receive mercy from God. Because mercy received from God will shatter a false identity that you've created about yourself. It's this false identity like, oh, here he goes again. I'm this way or I'm that way. But mercy shatters that. You are not what you did. You're not your mistake, and you're not your quirks. You're not your personality quirks. You have to understand that. When you know that, then when other people pick that up, you just be confident and say, okay, how can I, how can I do this? How can I change this? How can I, how, how can I be teachable? Right? We have to remain teachable. If we're going to receive mercy and give out mercy, we have to ha- be teachable. Can I say, can I hear an Amen. One of the greatest examples of all of scripture that I feel on the mercy of God is John chapter 8. And we know this. But let's go there together and let's look at it through the eyes of mercy. This is going to be NLT. Oh, my gosh. I love how the NLT reads it. We know about the adulterous woman. But I want you to imagine with me. Listen to me. Everyone just imagine right now. We're all adults, right? I hope you're all adults here. There's a couple babies in the room, but they don't understand what I'm about to say. John chapter 8. I've read this many times this week and it's so ministered to me because when we don't deserve something Jesus steps in and says neither do I condemn you when we deserve it but look at this John chapter 8 1 through 11 and by the way this was not this was my next beatitude it's not you know, that was it just so happens that this was the, the next beatitude that I was preaching on and it just so ministered to me John 8 1 through 11 look what it says are you there NLT. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early in the next morning, oh, my goodness, he was back again at the temple. Let's read this slow together as a church. A crowd soon gathered, okay, in the temple, right, at the church. Let's, let's just imagine. He sat down, Jesus did, and taught them. Okay, kind of what I'm doing today, but I'm standing up. As he was speaking, think about this analogy, as he was speaking, The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman, probably dragged her in, who had been caught in the act of adultery. We read that so many times. You know how embarrassing that is. Not only that you got caught cheating against your spouse, and it was word that you cheated, or you confessed later and said, look, I've been having an affair. That's embarrassing in itself. But to be caught in the very act, we're all adults, just use your imagination, in the very act, how embarrassing this is for this woman. Not only does she have to face the, the fact that now her husband knows that she's cheating on him, but now everybody knows. Can I just be honest? Now the church knows. That's how it was. He was teaching, and all the people, and then all of a sudden interrupted a sermon. Imagine I'm preaching, and someone interrupts my sermon, and and some of the religious people of the city drag a person in here that just committed adultery. That means they were waiting for them to have sex. Think about it. They were waiting. They were trying to trap Jesus using someone. Watch this now. This is life-changing. Life-changing. I want you to see this. That in the law of Moses, she by law, by law, deserved to be stoned for that act. So it wasn't like this uh, lies that was conjuring up. You know, sometimes, oh, it's lies. No, it was for real. We saw you in bed, right? And you're, 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 that's not your husband. And you deserve to be stoned for this. Look at, keep reading. They put her in front of the crowd. See, I read this many times, but I'm, I want to read it slow. They put it in front of the crowd. What an embarrassment. Probably her head was down in front of the crowd and not even looking at the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, question was that a lie? Was that gossip? It was true. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Oh, my Jesus. Thank you, Father. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again. My Jesus is so gangster. I love him. He stood up and he looked at all those religious leaders and all those people that were accusing this woman that the truth was happening, right, that she deserved death. He stopped, stooped out again. Look look, look at this. He got up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Let the one that never sinned Here's a rock. I can imagine Jesus, here's a rock. Here you go. Here's some rocks to you. He probably didn't do this, but like, you know, here's some rock. Here's a, here's a bigger rock for you. Here you go. Um, hey, all you guys, you have an opportunity. I gave you the rock uh, under one condition. If you have no sin, go ahead and throw it, right? Go ahead and throw it. Now, we all know the story, right? We all know the story, but watch, watch mercy. One by one, watch this. The Bible says, when the accusers heard this. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Look what mercy does it drives out the accusers of your life. Mercy drives out the voices that have been accusing you, even the things that you do do that is is deserving consequences. When mercy steps in, all the other accusation and crowd has to leave. Watch this. What's the result? Are you ready? Are you ready? What's the result of mercy stepping into your situation and silencing the spiritual crowd and the noise and the voices of your life? You know what's going to happen. Are you ready? This is what, this is what got me. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Listen to me. Until everybody say until. Only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Only Jesus. Only Jesus was left in the crowd with the woman. Everyone scattered. The voices scattered. The accusers scattered. The, 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 the lawmakers scattered. Those who were supposed to actually do something. She deserved death. She deserved it. And that moment, she locked eyes with mercy and love. And she locked eyes with Jesus. And look at, what, look at this. I believe something happened in the spirit realm. What happened next? It doesn't show it. It doesn't say it. But as you know, uh, there was power in God's words when he said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. So God created the world with words. And he was still creating and setting people free with words. How do I know that? In the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus cast out demons. Come on. With a. Only say a. And my servant will be healed. So watch what happens in the spirit realm. This is my imagination. Oh, glory to God. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, no one's there now. Just her and Jesus locking eyes like this. And she probably had to force her to look at him because she was so shameful. Are you ready for this? Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Church, we we need to realize that we need to treat people this way too. Watch this. Didn't anyone condemn you? Look at that. Probably with tears in her eyes. Watch this. No, Lord, she said, now watch this. Here's in the spirit world what I feel something went. Like. Are you ready? Words? Are you ready? Jesus looked at her and said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Condemnation, self-hatred, shame. At that moment, the creator of the world that spoke God, the world into existence, spoke no condemnation to you. Hallelujah. At that moment, I can imagine psh, change just breaking off of her life. Self-hatred, pity, guilt, low self-esteem. At that moment, at that second, when Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, that's that's words that have life. And it's going, phew. Glory to God. And if you receive that, how do you think you're going to walk with God? Listen, listen. Mercy makes righteousness attractable. Because if you're just trying to live right because someone says to live right, you're going to fail all the time and it's going to be hard and rigid. But if you experience his mercy... You're going to say, I don't want that anymore. Listen, this is a true story. Joanne knows she's been with me, I don't know, for so long, (laughs) for for remnant youth. She was my worship leader for remnant youth. And I remember this story, listen, about the life-transforming power of mercy that actually liberates people, watch this, but actually sets them on a course to live right again. Wait, 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 that doesn't make sense. When you and I experience mercy when we're deserved guilty, and you know you deserve it, righteousness will be attractable to you. Because he said, he, you, he gave me a second chance. There's no consequence. Oh, I love this God. I love this God. I remember when I was a youth pastor years ago, and uh, some people know, I mean, I was a sergeant, like a lot, a sergeant. And I was just, I had a bunch of knuckleheads. I a bunch of, of street people. So I had to be a little tough, right? But during that time, I was getting rocked for the first time by this beatitude. This is a true story. Someone in, in I don't know, I think 2008, 2009, I went to, to IHOP KC. I, th- I shared the story, and I'm just standing there, right? and like, what is this place? What is going on here? What is this, you know, music 24-7? I don't know. And then someone gave me, I didn't have the language, you know, you know. And so someone gave me CDs. People still use CDs. I don't, I don't even know. They gave me CDs, and it was a, a stack like this of teaching CDs, and they said to me, and they gave it to me, put, put it on my hand, right? And on top of it, it says, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and something just in me, right? And it's funny, because they're like, this is just the kiss of God for you. I'm like, the kiss of God? What is, what is going on here? The Lord, yeah, the Lord, like, beloved, this is the kiss of God. I didn't have that language. I started studying the Sermon on the Mount, and I got to this. This is a true story, and it was wrecking me. Can, I just, can, I, can we be a family here? Can we be a family? You need to allow the, the scriptures to wreck you. In other words, don't, just, don't read the scripture and say, that's for PG, or that's for my husband, or that's for my wife. No, that's for you. <laughs> that's for you. And so it was wrecking me. And I, and I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, you need to show mercy to people because I've showed mercy to you. But watch this. These knuckleheads deserve discipline. They, they did. So I'm not imagining things. The things that I was about to do, I wasn't just grabbing over there like, mm, who could I pick on today? Mm, that, that person. No, it was they. Here's what happened. I was a, a leader. We had about 150 young people, and there was uh, obviously you know teenagers and young adults in my leadership. Well, I found out through the grapevine. Let me pause and say this: everything done in darkness will be revealed in the light. Just gonna say that, right? So somehow it got word to me that two of my leaders that I had trust, now let, think about this, I put my trust in some of these leaders, right? I would say, okay, make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're living right, and because you have people under you, make sure you're an example. Well, I heard that they were on multiple occasions going out, my leaders and youth, right, and the youth, and just getting drunk and blasted. I mean, Drunk. Drunk. It's not okay to get drunk as a Christian. I just want to tell you that. The Bible says, be not drunk, but be filled with the spirit. So don't give me that excuse that you could casually drink and not get drunk. That's a whole other sermon anyways. So they were getting drunk. And so watch this. I was getting wrecked by mercy. I was getting wrecked. And God was showing mercy in my life when I deserved certain things and I didn't get it. You know what happened? I sat down with them and I said to them, you know, they, I'm going to confront them. And I'm, I'm going to expose what they're doing to them uh, and see what they say. And then I'm going to step them down from leadership. All that was correct, by the way. All that was correct for the sake of healing and for the sake of not having people living a double life in leadership. So I knew God was going to honor me. But the way that I was approaching it, I was going to say, oh, man, you know what? They're going to, I, I can't believe I'm hurt. You know, they betrayed me, whatever. So I'm sitting there, and these two, these two people, <laughs> I'll never forget, They're just sitting there, and I said, look, I heard that this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Uh, You're one of my leaders, and I am just destroyed by this. Is this true? They're like, yes. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, again, be merciful to them. I'm like, (laughs) I'm serious. I just, I, I felt like, be merciful to them because you need mercy. It was like God was waiting for me how to handle this situation to determine what I would receive in the future. So I said, if you were me, I never forget this. I said, if you were me, what would you have me do with with what I found? We would step down from leadership, we would uh, we would get be kicked out. And so everything in me was like, That's right. <laughs> you're hearing from the Lord. <laughs> I stood there, guys. I never forget what happened. I never forget what happened. Listen to me. I said, what would you do if you were me? We, we, would, we would step down from leadership. I go, I'm not stepping you down from leadership. I'm going to give you another chance. Do you know? Do you know? But I didn't, I didn't go into. I said, I'm giving you another chance. I'm asking you to get healing in this area and find out why you're doing what you're doing. I trusted you, and I felt betrayed, but you know what? I'm not stepping you down from leadership. I want to give you a chance to see mercy and for you to grow. And they cried, and they wept, and boogers were coming out, and and I hugged them, and I remember just all this stuff, and they're crying, and I said, listen, that doesn't identify you. That was back then. You know what happened to those people when they received the mercy of God through their pastor? Listen, that was deep. You and I receive the mercy of God from the Holy Spirit himself and through people. So that means God's mercy, God's, not your mercy, God's mercy is flowing out of you to touch people. So that actually is the mercy of God. I showed the mercy of God. You know what happened? These two teenagers, young adults, I'll never forget, their lives turned around without me having to say anything, without me having to overly correct them. You know why? Because they experienced mercy. And they knew they had a consequence and mercy said, no, you're still in leadership because that stuff doesn't identify you. You have a calling for leadership. Now get cleaned up. At that last verse in John chapter 8 with adulterous woman, he said, neither do I condemn you. But what did he say next? Come on. What? So Jesus made it clear you're free from condemnation. But I'm not agreeing with what you're sending. You hear me? And when we experienced that, I saw these things. Mercy, number one, did not give the adulterous woman what she deserved. Number two, after Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and religious leaders, only Jesus was left. Only Jesus was left in the crowd. And mercy delivered her. Come on, say mercy delivers her. Say mercy delivers Watch this. The very nature of God. Everybody say the very nature of God. At the core, at the core is mercy. Now, I'm going to do a, a little st- illustration here for you. So here, where's the markers at? And by the way, I never practice this, so have, have mercy on me. <laughs> hint, hint. All right. I don't know if the people on the left can see this. All right. If, um, let me try this. I don't know if someone has good handwriting. Nobody okay. That's fine. All right. So, all right. So, let's pretend so let's pretend no, but she has a baby. So, that's fine. So, watch this. You could you have good handwriting? Okay. So, so get this right here, right? So, if I were to ask you right now, if we were living in Bible times, Old Testament, if we were all Jewish people and we're living in the Old Testament, right? If I were to ask you, what is the most important significant nation in the whole world in the whole world okay okay what would you say wow look at that what would you say Israel okay right up here right Israel thank you Vanna White Rady (laughs) all right while she's doing that the biggest nation of the world you would say the most important is Israel right in the whole world Now, let's break it down a little bit. The most important city in the most important nation of the world is? All right. So, right here is, you are a good class. Right here, Jerusalem. Okay? So, look at the core, right? The most important nation, the most important city, right? Now, what's the most important place or site in all of Jerusalem? Huh? Huh? The Temple Mount, the Temple Mount, okay, so you're narrowing it down, ready? Nation of all nations, Israel. Jerusalem, the most, listen, the city, the greatest city in biblical times as far as biblical importance. You narrow it down a little bit more now, and when you're in Jerusalem, what's the most important site? Temple Mount. Temple Mount. Now, watch how the core of God, you're going to get set free. What's the most important item in the most important city, in the most important nation inside the Temple Mount? The Ark of the Covenant. Now, do you see? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. My handwriting is not good, my circles are not good. The Ark, just put the Ark. The Ark of the Covenant, the most important nation of the world, Israel, the most important city in the important nation of the world is Jerusalem. The most important place in the most important nation and the city of the world is the Temple Mount. The most important significant item inside the Temple Mount is the Ark. Are you ready for this? Inside the Ark were three things. There were the the pot, the manna, right, the Aaron buds, that Aaron's rod that budded inside the ark, right, and the Ten Commandments. I mean, you don't get any holier than that. The the original Ten Commandments were in the ark. (sighs) But what sealed the deal, what sealed the ark when it was open, it was called the place of atonement. And when that ark lid with gold and cherubim were looking at each other, that was called the mercy seat. The mercy seat was the gold lid that was called the place of atonement. That was the final thing that was placed on the ark to seal all the things that were in the ark. So watch this. At the very core of who God is. And the most important city of the world. uh, Sorry, nation of the world, Israel. The most important city of the world. The most important uh, item in the world. The most important uh, item inside the most important item in the world is the ark, and inside the ark is mercy. Mercy seat. The mercy of God is crying out to you today. The mercy of God. Give the Lord a big shout of praise for that. (laughs) Listen, here's here's a freebie. You know what this was called inside here? You know where it was? In the most holy place. Or most people call it in the holy of holies. Do you see how mercy and holiness have to go together? Bless all the righteous, The a hunger for righteous. The next one is mercy. Mercy, You and I, number one, have to receive, learn how to receive God's mercy. Stop beating yourself up. But the purpose for mercy is to make righteousness attractable to you again. Come on, say amen. How many of you parents, when you're kids and you, you, you know that you're going to whip them for something? And you just sit down and talk to them, and you hug them. I never forget the story of the daughter of Billy Graham. I don't know if you saw the funeral years ago. The daughter of Billy Graham, she's told a story that was so moving. Here's the great Billy Graham who led millions of people to the Lord in his lifetime. The story goes somewhere like, and I don't know the whole story, but she basically shared uh, uh, the nature of mercy of the dad and how that set her free. How she was be in, um, had, had gone out and married someone and it didn't work out. And I believe that they were, like, not in agreement with it. Long story short, for years she was out and then she appeared at the doorstep of her parents' house, the great Billy Graham. And she said that she was, des- she was expecting consequence for her actions. Opened the door, hugged her, and said, you're always welcome here. And she said that that broke something in her life. And I don't know the, all the specifics of the story, but that story moved me because she said, when I deserved punishment, my father showed mercy. He said, and it allowed me, whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hear me, guys. I feel the Holy Spirit here. Some of you, you have parents that are rigid and are hard. And you see God, I'm hearing this from the Lord. You see God the way that you feel treated by your parents, or even you're an adult, and you see God through the lens of this corrective lens. Always. I remember one time, again, I'm telling stories because I believe that's going to help you. Amen? When I was a youth pastor, a lot of stuff happened when I was a youth pastor. I remember having someone, bless you, Victor. One of these young people, they came, and they, they were always, always. Um, falling sexually to people to other people and I would call them in my office and I said what's wrong how can we help you and she was like I don't know I don't care whatever and I was more upset about her sin than she was her sin right now watch this I I, I, every week I remember for four weeks straight guys there was something that she did that I had to call her in my office four weeks straight come here I need to talk to you right Now, everything that I did was valid because I cared enough to talk to them about what's happening. But I remember the fifth time when I said, hey, uh, so-and-so, can I talk to you? And, and they said this, what did I do now? And I heard the Holy Spirit say very loud in my spirit, he said, change your approach or you're going to lose her. Just like that. Thank God for the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, change your approach. Don't mention that thing again. Don't mention that sin again ever again. She said, he said, you're going to lose her. So what do you have now? What what did I do now? And I said to her, I said, Lord, you got to give me something quick. (laughs) Uh, True story. This is what I said. I said, "Uh, no, no. um, Guys, true story. I said, no, no, I didn't call you for that. Um, Actually, what we're trying to do, which was true, We're trying to write a newsletter for Remnant. That's what my youth group was called, right? And I heard that you could write, would you mind being the chief editor of this newsletter that will go out to the parents? She goes, really? I go, yeah, would you mind being the chief editor on that because I know you could write. Well, I have all these ideas. Her heart started opening up. She started, listen, she started weeping and she said, I thought you were going to correct me. I said, no, I have something for you. What happened again? I saw the life of that person turn around because I was speaking to her identity, not just her problem. Come on, say amen to that. But that was a learned attribute. But that doesn't mean that we don't correct in love. Sometimes we need to correct in love to put the fear of the Lord in there. Come on, say amen. Amen. Say amen. Look at what the Bible says, real quick. Are you getting something this morning? Are you getting something? Some of you need to be set free by the mercy of God this morning. Mercy is crying out to you, and you're hard on yourself. The second people I'm talking to today is because you've been hard, I want you to experience the mercy of God that didn't give you the consequences that you deserve. And I want you and challenge you to show mercy to your family. Show mercy to your your friends and to those that even talking bad about you. Show, Show mercy to them. I got quiet up in this. Luke chapter 10. Look at this. Luke chapter 10. Oh, this is so good, church. How many feel the Holy Spirit here? Verse 25. I'm almost done, okay? But I'm doing good in time. Thank you, Lord. Luke 10, verse 25 in the NLT. Please turn there with me. Let's turn there. All right? And how we treat people versus God's nature. Now, I want to I give you a, a preference here, a backdrop. Sadly, what I'm about to read is a current picture sometimes of the local church and Christians. Do you hear me? What I'm about to read, sadly, is a sometimes a condition of the local church or believers, right? And I want to prove it. Look at what the Bible says uh, in Luke chapter 10. Watch this. One day, an expert in religious law, right? Now think about that. These are people in here, experts in, in, Bible, in, in the Bible and have degrees, right? This is just put us in the picture, right? They stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Look at this now. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? Look at this, guys. How do you read it? I love Jesus saying, how do you read that? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say neighbor as yourself. That's significant, all right? In other words, love others, right? But have you ever paused and say, how do you do that? I never never said this. Jesus said, and love your neighbor. Pause. Does it say how to do that? No. But if you read further, it actually describes what loving your neighbor neighbor looks like. And I've never seen this until I started reading in the NLT. Watch this. What does loving your neighbor look like? Are you ready? Right, Jesus told them. Do this and you will live. Follow me. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Listen to this, guys. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, Jewish man, all right, was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. So let's let's think of the Jewish person as a a people of God, right? Israel, the people people of God. Christians, I'm not replacing. That's not replacing theology, okay? No, I'm just giving you an analogy. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. Listen, keep reading. They stripped him from his clothes, beat him up. And left him half dead beside the road. Now listen, this is a sad story that I want the body of Christ to listen to. All right? By chance, a priest came along. It wasn't, it wasn't a thug. It wasn't another gangster. It wasn't even the, the boy around the block. A priest doing religious duties, praying for a revival, praying for souls. In the prayer meeting. Come on, somebody. Preaching the gospel. A priest, modern day. He stood by. He walked by. But when the priest saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. Right? Leaders. Leaders in the church. Right? This is in the body of Christ. Look at that. By chance, a temple assistant or a Levite, right? In other translations, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there. Now, what is a Levite? Levi is symbolic today of intercessors, worshipers, singers, volunteers. They they were assistants in the temple, right? They looked at them, and they passed by. I could imagine they just came out of a worship service, came out of a prayer service, and they watched that guy and said, oh, God, God, look at that dirty guy. I am so, oh, God, let's let's keep going because he's going to ask for money. Let's keep walking. Let's keep walking. keep walking. Then a despised Samaritan, because Jews and Samaritans didn't talk. S- Samaritan is symbolic of a worldly person that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Okay. They pass by. That man that was lying, that beat up half dead, that the priest saw and passed by, that the Levite or the assistant in the temple passed by, or the volunteers passed by, because we want to get hurry to get lunch because it's already late, because Pastor George already, you know, he's late. So I got to hurry to get my food. A worldly person saw that same man that the priest saw and that the temple assistant saw. Look what it said. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him, for the, the worldly man, felt compassion for the Jewish man. And, and Samaritans actually don't deal. That's like a blood in a crip, and you see a crip in there, and the blood goes, <sighs> come here, bro, come here. We need to start seeing the humanity in people and not the problem in people. Because we're all weak people, including you, including me. Now watch this. I'm a hurry. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds, right, with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, a hotel, where he took care of him. So it was not just, I pick you up, here's some money, go on your way. It was, we don't get along. But I see your humanity more than I see your problem, more than I see the words that you've spoken against us. I see your humanity. I'm going to pick you up, and I don't care what they say. I'm not only going to get you bandaged, I'm going to pay for the hotel cost. And I'm not only going to pay for the hotel cost, I'm going to pay for your food. Help me, Holy Spirit. The next day he handed him, listen, to his innkeeper with two coins. Pedro telling him, take care of him. Take care of this man. The worldly man. Take care of him. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now which of these, watch this, this is key. This is Jesus speaking, not PG. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor? See, now he's defining what loving your neighbor means, right? To the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. Watch this. Look at the reply. The man replied, the one who showed mercy. He defines loving your neighbor by showing mercy. Now watch this. Go and do the same. That's what he says. Some people get on your nerves. Come on, let's be honest. Some people get on your nerves. Come on, come on. You're going to have to get an altar call for lying. You need a separate altar call for lying. I'm going to say, okay, the second altar call is all for the, all for the liars here. People get on your nerves. People get on your nerves, right? Bosses get on your nerves. Pastor George gets on your nerves. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> the people that I get on, they tell me. Okay. <laughs> That's how I know. <laughs> but, but watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I have, to, I have to be able to know my identity if I'm going to show mercy to others. If I come in there and fight with my words and they fight with their words, it's never going to do anything. You have to know I'm a child of God no matter what they say about me. Go ahead. Bam, 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 bam. And then you show mercy to people that sometimes don't, don't deserve it or situations that don't deserve it. Your kids, how are you treating your kids, right? Are you a strict person that uh, never sees the good in them? I've had to grow in that and I'm still growing. I'm not perfect. Cuz I I have a righteous bent in me. That's how God created me. I'm I call people to repentance. So because of that, I have to I have to be careful how I come across. That like, got two amens. That was a good place to say amen. Like that was a great place. You're not going to hurt my feelings. They're <laughs> like if I say amen, that means I agree with what he said. He you know. If I could have the worship team come up, please. Are you getting something? Oh, God. I I, I saved the best for last, guys. I'm going to put the sickle in. Like my brother Dan said, I'm going to put the sickle in right now. Mercy is not giving us something that we deserve. Mercy is not giving others what they deserve. Listen, not forever. For a brief moment of time. It could be two weeks. I don't know. It's up to God. Mercy holds the judgment that's coming or the consequence that's coming without compromising that truth but it holds it so you won't feel the consequence for a a purpose to turn and get things right with God like the stories that I tell you when I showed mercy to these people their lives turned around without me saying hey are you doing that again you know why I showed mercy and when I showed mercy to people that actually said we deserve this we're sorry we did this we're sorry Come, you're still part of our family. I want you to get healed. I remember years ago, I can't, all these are not in my notes, but I'm not going to say the name because some of you guys have been with me for many years. So don't think I'm talking about you, okay? But I remember a story I will never forget. I have to be very general on this one because there's a lot of people that have been with me from the youth. I remember one time, the same similar similar story, guys. A certain musician one time in my youth group years ago, I got a. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember MySpace. Everybody remember MySpace? That was a cool thing before, you know, Facebook. And someone messaged me on MySpace. They said, "Is so and so go to your church?" And so the so and so, uh, you know, part of the worship team. I said, "Yeah." They said, "I just want you to know, this is a worldly person, a worldly person that was a backslider." Said, "I saw this person in the place where I was, and they were smoking." they were getting high and living a worldly life basically and of course as a pastor when I hear those news so you, if you've never been in my shoes please understand why I'm passionate the way I am because I care for people so it, it hurt me it shattered me some pastors maybe not care for people but they're in the wrong business but I care for people and maybe that's sometimes my flaw I care too much right And so I I was just devastated when this happened because, again, I felt betrayed. No one was telling me, please come up to me, guys. If you, by the way, like if if there's something wrong, come on, let's talk it out. Don't stay silent. So I found out from the grapevine, and that's what hurt me the most because they didn't come to me. I sat them down, I talked to them. In this case, I said, you need healing. So for a couple months, you're not going to be on stage, you're not going to serve anywhere, right? Well, of course, what happens is people sometimes hide behind their gifts. You know that, right? They hide behind their gifting so that they can keep operating and not deal with the junk that's inside. So I said, for a couple months, I don't want you to do anything. And then Man, I remember this. I said, but the stipulation, if you come back, the, the stipulation that, that I have with you is that uh, you get healing. And I called certain people. I said, please mentor this person. I, I didn't just leave them out there. I, I, I was intentional giving give them resources for him to get healing. Don't sit someone down if you're just going to sit down. Try to get healing for them. So I sat them down and said, I want you to go through these courses. And I want you to meet with him every week. And I'm going to be accountable to this person. Make sure that you're going to him. I said, one more time and one more thing. You're going to have to sit here in the the first couple rows of our our youth group every Friday night if you want to come back and, and be a part of this. Long story short, about a month into it, this young man broke. And I remember him weeping and crying. And I remember <clears throat> youth surrounding him and praying for him, welcoming him. He got restored. He got mercy, and his life turned around. And I'm going to I'm going to close with this. God's judgment will be more severe to those that show little mercy or no mercy. Please hear, please take a picture of this. This is the fi- final point. Put that slide up. God's judgment will be more severe to those that show little to no mercy. James chapter two. I'm glad you asked how I got that. James chapter two. I sense the Holy Spirit here. Look at what the Bible says. Are you ready? It's the last scripture, guys. I think so. Anyways, James chapter two, verse eight. Read it with me. If you really fulfill, listen. The royal law according to the scriptures. Please listen. You shall love your neighbor. Wait, we just read that, didn't we? We just read that. Now in James, it's talking about a same principle that I never saw. I never saw loving your neighbor, that phrase, as at that meaning, showing mercy to others. Look at this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Look at, look at what it says. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convinced by the law. Transgression uh, uh, as transgressors keep going for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Preach that, Pastor George. So, in other words, what it's saying is don't be so holier than thou, because that means you have to keep everything perfect. Right? Watch this for he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. Now, watch this. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you murder. You have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do so as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Watch this now. For judgment is without mercy to those who have shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. judgment is without mercy to those who show no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. At the core of who He is, mercy is shouting out to you this morning. Mercy wants to say, neither do I condemn you. Mercy is saying, I don't see you like your father and mother sees you. Mercy is the necessary balance to righteousness Mercy does not give us what we deserve, and I'm going to end it with something I never have done. If you guys could put sit, sit that this way here, end it with some PG quotes. I call it PG quotes on mercy that I that have steered me for the re- for my whole life since I have got a hold of this. I've learned that if I become if I am merciful to others, not listen, listen. This is deep. Not only will I receive more mercy, but if I could be honest with you relationships will be much better thank you Lord God had to teach me that it's true and he's still teaching me that because I don't want I don't want to just correct I want to show mercy there's a balance so righteousness is needed but mercy is needed to temper that righteousness amen so even in your tone be merciful but still uphold righteousness. Here's some of my quotes, and then we're going to pray. We're going, actually, we're going to, we're going to worship. I just felt that we're going to worship, and then we're going to stand up and pray, because I believe mercy is about to liberate people right now in the name of Jesus. I tell you right now, just receive it. I don't deserve it. Neither did the adulterous woman. She actually deserved death. I don't deserve it. I haven't read my Bible in months. And I haven't prayed in months. I don't deserve the goodness of God. He's extending it to you. Listen. So that righteousness could be attractable to you. So you can say, you know what? I want this kind of God. Or let's say it this way. I like this type of person. I like this type of leader. He gives me mercy or she gives me mercy. Look at this quote. Ready? First quote. The Lord's mercy is linked to his patience. This is the thing that I just, I didn't get it from a book. It's just. I started writing in a note and typing, and I felt like this is one of the things that came to me from the Lord. The Lord's mercy is linked to his patience, watch forbearance, and long suffering. It is a loving, restraining force that delays the consequences of wrongdoing in hopes that it will give people a little more time to get things right with God. Woo. Man, that was good. The, the, the Lord's mercy gives us enough time to get right with God. Look at the second quote. PG quote, on mercy. God's mercy softens righteousness with compassion. But God's mercy never contradicts holiness and truth. And lastly, mercy enhances, listen to this, our ability to stand for truth. Are you ready for this? And promote Righteousness without destroying people in the process. I'm going to read that again because that was so good. Mercy, everybody say this with me, please. Come on. Everybody say, Mercy enhances my ability to stand for truth and promote righteousness. Now, say this like you mean it without destroying people in the process. See, you can say the right thing and destroy people in how you say it. You can actually say truth. But the Bible wants us to exercise mercy. I want everyone to close your eyes right now. It's a little bit different this morning. But I feel mercy crying out to those who feel they don't deserve a second chance. I feel mercy crying out and shouting. And some of you who maybe are critical of people, God is speaking to you. Be merciful to them because you have junk too. Don't just look at the speck in your brother's eye. Take out the log that is in your own eye. Search your heart in the areas where you feel that you deserve something. Mercy today is saying, not guilty. Not guilty. And when you receive the mercy of God, it's like a wave of consequence. Mercy's going. And mercy had a face will would turn and look to you and say, come on. Come on. You, don't, you, you deserve what's coming. Get right. Look at his goodness. Look at his love. Look at his mercy. Look at his forbearance. Turn your heart from these ways. And now when you receive this reprieve. Go show it to other people. The Lord may be convicting some of you because the way that you deal with people is not in mercy. And today we're gonna we're worship and then we're just gonna pray and have the Lord do what He needs to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Love you,
0: Lord. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.